Welcome to Central Speaks, home of our weekly podcast. Central Speaks is produced by Hamilton Central Baptist Church. Hi, Central. I'd like to make my first message here at Central about our hearts. So if you'd like to follow along, I'm going to read from Luke 7, starting at verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar full with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Well, go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him a story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to another, but neither of them could repay him, and he kindly forgave them both, counseling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? And Simon answered, well, I suppose, the one for which he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman, and then he said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you offered me no water to wash the dust from my feet, but she washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sin, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown so much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, Who is this man that goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, if you want to get the full impact of this story, one thing that's necessary to understand is that there were social rules involved in what was happening. For instance, we now have new social rules we are meant to follow in this COVID pandemic moment in history. Rules around how to act around others. Rules that are obvious when we break them. And as we know, our COVID social rules are very clear. So let's just take a minute to go over some of these rules. First, you must not leave the house for any reason, of course, unless you have a reason, and then you can leave the house. Secondly, all stores are closed, except, you know, those that are open, and all stores must stay closed unless, of course, they need to stay open. The, uh, thirdly, the only way to not get COVID is to get double vaxxed, but you can still get COVID if you are vaccinated or maybe you won't. Fourthly, you should not go to the doctor's office or to the hospital if you are feeling sick, unless you have to go there because you're feeling sick. Unless, of course, you are too sick and you really probably shouldn't go there. Fifth, you have to homeschool your children. But don't worry about homeschooling your children because it's just too hard on the families. But home baking cakes can be considered math, science, or art. Sixthly, stay two meters away from each other. Do not shake hands, do not hug, do not remove masks, but smile at each other and be kind. Be kind to each other and friendly. Seventh, it's important to get fresh air for your health. 
but don't go outside. And if you do go outside, do not go to parks and beaches, but go to walk at other safe places, you know, like motorways. Eighthly, you must wear a mask when you go outside, unless, of course, you can get an exemption to wear a mask or you simply forgot it in your car. And then finally, you must always wear a mask in church, especially when singing, because it helps you hear what others hear when you sing. Clear social rules, removing any confusion about how to interact with others. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But see, the point of this is that every culture has rules that govern social behavior. How do we welcome people? How do we host people? What are the ways we honor people and make them feel valued? How do we ignore or insult people? And that's what's happening here. The idea of etiquette is crucial to understanding the story that we just read. Here's Jesus, invited to dinner at the home of a Pharisee. As a visiting rabbi, he would have been expected to be the guest of honor. It would have been understood that certain things would take place. For instance, it was customary for a guest to be greeted with a kiss. Now, if the guest were a person of equal social rank, he'd been given a kiss on a cheek. If he were of higher status, like a child greeting a parent or a student greeting a teacher, he would have been given a kiss on the hand to express honor and respect. Now, to neglect this proper form of greeting when someone came to your house back in Jesus' day was the equivalent of simply ignoring someone who came to your house today. I mean, imagine inviting someone over for dinner and then not greeting him or her by name, not shaking their hand, not offering to take their coat or offering them a seat. See, it's just a shocking breach of common courtesy. Also, back in that day, washing feet was mandatory before reclining for a meal. See, it's not often today that we would say, look, we're about to eat. Would you care to wash your feet before dinner served? But back then, in that time, in that context, see, people laid down around the table, feet in each other's faces and, 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 and seeing each other lay next to each other. And people had pretty dirty feet. So if your guests were a person of high status, you would actually offer to wash their feet yourself as the host. If that person was of lesser status, you would ask your servant to wash his feet. At the very least, you would give someone a bucket of water so they could go wash their own stinking feet. It's a little callous, but at least you would do that. Also, as a host, you would give your guests something for anointing. Olive oil was usually the common thing to use. You could have used something a little more expensive, but anointing the head of someone was a thoughtful way to refresh them. It's kind of like getting a hot towel on a long flight when we get to travel again. Well, here's Jesus invited into his home. He's a rabbi, and he's given nothing, no greeting, no kiss, no washing of the feet, no anointing nothing. These are not subtle omissions easily overlooked. This is a deliberate slap in the face of Jesus. I don't know why. Maybe Simon wanted to put Jesus in his place. Maybe Simon was kind of afraid that in this gathering of being too closely associated to this person who says he's the Messiah, of looking too friendly with Jesus. But for whatever reason, the greeting is very, very cold. And the tension in the room from these omissions is so thick you can feel it. And then at this moment, a stranger is present. 
a woman were said. Banquets, see, were they were a little different back in those days than they are today. They were public affairs. See, back in those days, a home of a fairly wealthy person would have a banquet and it would be held in the courtyard outside for anyone to see because and because there were not a lot of movies to go to back then, not a lot else to do on a Friday night, you would sit around and say, hey, who's having a banquet today? Well, let's go have a look. See, anyone walking by could stop and come in and watch the banquet of those rich people. And they would look there and it was like, what's going on? Who's with whom? What are they wearing? Who's sitting next to who? It was like the beginning of the Woman's Weekly magazine or YouTube's drama alert. See, that was part of the culture, and that's what was going on here. People were watching this event happen in front of everybody. And this woman comes in, and we're told that she's a sinner, which would have meant a prostitute and well-known as such in the village. And earlier that day, she probably had heard Jesus' teaching, and something about him struck something very deep in her heart. And she began to wonder, how did I ever become like this? How did my life end up? like this. See, no little girl ever grows up thinking, that's what I want to do when I grow up. See, once she had been someone's little baby, she had been the object of her mother's hopes and dreams and prayers. And then something happened and it all went to custard. Maybe her husband rejected her. Maybe she thought this was the only way she could make money. But on this day, she hears Jesus teach and a thought comes to her. As it has come to many of us, Right here, in my sin, in my darkness, I am loved, and I am loved by God. See, that strange woman got it. God loves me. It's not too late for me. God knows all about me, and he still wants me. Do you remember when you got it? Do you remember when you understood that God loves you just the way you are? See, that's what Jesus did for her. She hears that he's going to be at this dinner, so she goes to the courtyard to watch, just like everybody else. Of course, she would not have ever been invited to this dinner, not in a million years. But she gathers all her courage, and she stands in the doorway of a Pharisee's house to watch. And she's overwhelmed, overwhelmed with love for this Jesus. She sees how he's treated by Simon, how he's ignored, how he's insulted, and she can't stand it. And all of her love and all of her devotion and all of her anger, righteous anger, kind of bubbles up to the surface. She's really quite a remarkable woman. What can she do? She, she can't be the one who gives Jesus the kiss of greeting. That would be presumptuous, and she knows how everyone sitting at that table would interpret that action. So as an impulse, she falls to his feet. I could kiss his feet, she thinks. See, to wash someone's feet was an act of utter abasement. To kiss them, that was utter abandonment and humility and submission and love. Imagine the drama. This woman walks to the courtyard table. Everybody is watching. And as she walks up to Jesus and kneels down at his feet, she starts to kiss them. She looks in the eyes for just a moment as she's kneeling down. And instead of judgment and embarrassment or shame, there's only love by Jesus. It's not very often that she has seen that look in the eyes of a man. Maybe never has seen the look in the eyes of a man like that. And now she sees it in the eyes of the best man she's ever known. A man who loves her not as an object to give him pleasure, but as a daughter.
as a friend, loves her not in the shadows and the darkness of some back alley, but in the light of day, publicly, in front of everyone. And tears come. How could they not? A few at first, and then more, and then more. And before she can do anything, they're pouring down her face. Tears of sadness of what she has become. Tears of gratitude because of the way Jesus offers acceptance and forgiveness. Tears of joy because maybe there could be a new life for her. And Jesus' feet, unwashed by Simon, are now soaking wet with this woman's tears. And then she wonders, oh my goodness, what have I done? How can I dry them? And there's no sense asking Simon for a towel. He'd never give her one, not even acknowledge she's in the room. So on impulse, she lets down her hair. Now this is another shocking breach of social rules. See, a woman in that culture always wore her hair up in public. It was never allowed for a moment for a woman to let her hair hang loose in mixed company. It was considered too provocative for men to be able to handle it. I guess they just figure men didn't do so well with impulse control back in the day. A man could actually divorce his wife for letting her hair down in public. Everyone at that table knew her profession. She had let her hair down many, many times with many, many men. Everybody knew that. And now, now she's going to do it one last time. And this time, she gets it right. This time, with her hair, she wipes Jesus' feet. This time, she lets her hair down as an act of love and of devotion to the one she would follow for all of eternity. We read that she had an alabaster jar of ointment. That's most likely refers to a flash. She would have probably worn it around her neck as kind of a, a, a necklace, but it was a perfume. And again, because of her profession, this flask that she wore would have been almost certainly the most expensive, most valuable possession that she owned. And we read that she took it and she empties out the whole thing. She won't need it anymore. Not where she's going, not who she's going to become, because she is now pouring her life out at his feet. See, she can't anoint his head because she's a sinful woman and he's a holy man. And she thinks, I can pour it on his feet. I can anoint his feet. See, no one ever anointed feet. This is a brand new action as an act of love and worship and adoration of Jesus. She kisses him over and over and over. She has been so broken and so undone by the sheer goodness. as It's as if she had forgotten who she is and where she is and what she is and what she's done. And she pours herself out in love and gratitude. Now, remember what's going on here. This is a dinner party. Simon is watching all of this, and he's thinking this dinner is not turning out the way I had it planned at all. In fact, he must have been thinking to himself, you know, this Jesus person, he must not be it after all, because if he were a prophet, if he had any level of that kind of inspiration, he would know. He would know who this woman is, and he would never let her touch him, not even with a 10-foot pole. But Jesus does know all about this woman. And Jesus knows all about Simon, just as he knows all about me and he knows all about you. Just as he knows all about every person that crosses your path. And he does what he often does in a setting like this. And he tells a story. And he says, Simon, 
Once upon a time, there were two debtors who owed money to a moneylender. Now, this is the only time in the New Testament that the word moneylender is actually ever used. It's referred to one who lends money at interest. In fact, lends money to the poor at high rates of interest so that you become wealthy off the backs of poor people. See, today we call those university student loans. But those people, they were despised. See, in that day, those who allowed themselves to get into debt, they were not highly thought of. They were thought of as unfortunate, dim bulbs at best, or undisciplined. Today, those people are called first home buyers. But moneylenders, see, they were in an even worse class. They were way, way down low. See, in our day, Jesus' parable would be the equivalent of a straight-to-Netflix kind of mobster movie. See, let me tell you how it would go. It would be kind of like this. Hey, oh, you know, let me tell you about two bookies. You know, they're in over their heads to a loan shark named Vito. Both of them, you know, they owed them money, you know, lots of money. So neither of these bookies, they could pay back Vito. And they knew they were scared. They knew they were getting in trouble. See, both of them, they kind of faced the same debt. But here's the difference between the two. You know, hey, oh, hey, one of them had debt that looked manageable. You know, they thought, hey, no problem. Don't worry about it. I can pay it back. But the other debt, that guy knew it was so huge, he's going to get whacked. Whack, boom. Vito's going to take him toast. Calzone, you know. He knows what I'm talking about. He knew he was so desperate. So Vito, the loan shark, he calls them both in. He says, hey, yo, I'm going to make you enough or you can't refuse. I'm going to forgive you your debts, all of them. Just take them off the books. And then Jesus tells that story. And then he looks at Simon. And he says, Simon, which one is going to have his world turn upside down? Which one's going to be filled with relief and gratitude and joy and seized with love for the one who has graciously set him free? Whose life is going to be turned upside down? The little debt guy or the big debt guy? I love Simon's response. And he says, well, I suppose. See, he doesn't want to say it. He knows where Jesus is going with this. He doesn't want to go there. But if you force me to answer, I guess, I suppose, big debt guy. And Jesus says, and I think with some humor, and people are laughing around the table, because Simon's supposed to be a scholar, right? He's a Pharisee. He's supposed to be a bright guy. And Jesus says, that's right. Give the boy a cigar. See, up to now, all this conversation's only been between Jesus and Simon. But now Jesus, turning towards the woman, facing her, looking at her, he says to Simon, Simon, do you see this woman? See, Simon didn't see this woman. Religious people get this way sometimes. Busy people get this way sometimes. Self-absorbed people get this way. Self-righteous people get this way. Simon saw a theological object lesson, and it was a bad example. He saw someone way beneath him. He saw somebody that was going to be an embarrassment, a bad influence on others. And besides tonight, tonight was supposed to be about him. He wanted the courtyard crowd to see him throwing the best party for this famous Messiah. He didn't need this. So he didn't really see that woman. And Jesus says, Simon, do you see this woman? See, Simon, you gave me no water. See, Jesus is being nice. He doesn't mention the fact that Simon should have washed his feet, but at least he could have at least given him some water. And Jesus says, she's bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. 
Simon, do you see this woman? You gave me no kiss. You didn't even kiss me on the cheek like an equal would have, let alone kiss me on the hand as a student would for a rabbi, which is the least you should have done. She has not stopped kissing my feet. Simon, do you see this woman? You didn't anoint my head with common olive oil. She's anointed not my head, but my feet. And she didn't use a cheap substance, but she poured out the very best she had. Therefore, I tell you, Simon, her sins, which are many, big debt, they're forgiven. They have all been forgiven. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what this does in the heart of this woman in a public setting before all these people for Jesus the rabbi to say, your slate is wiped clean. She is okay with God and God is okay with her. She is cleansed. Do you see this woman? See, here's the story, Simon. The one who is forgiven much loves much. But the one who's forgiven little, loves just a little. Now, it's really important to understand this because uh, we can kind of get mixed up on by what that statement from Jesus actually means. See, the question in the story raises is, who is really the big debtor? See, there's a great sin that is being defined in this room, but it's not the sin that Simon thinks it is. It's the sin of lips that will not kiss and knees that will not bow and tears that will not fall, and eyes that will not see, and a heart that just won't break for the sake of another. See, the greatest commandment is a commandment to love. Love God, love people. That's it. The greatest sin is the refusal to obey the greatest command. So, how's your heart? When you see someone who doesn't fit in, who isn't from around here, who doesn't look right or act right. How's your heart for that person? See, this applies to our mission as God's church, as, as God's people, as Jesus's ambassadors. How's your heart for people who don't know about God, who don't follow Jesus? Who are you praying for? See, Simon could have been the one to lead this woman to the feet of Jesus, but he didn't. And that's actually what matters. Is your heart there? Are you praying for real people with real faces and real names? Are you thinking about what the next step is for them to take in following Jesus? Are you patiently, lovingly, truthfully, and graciously walking alongside them? No judgment, no embarrassment, no shame, just Christ-like loving them into the kingdom. See, there are two obvious signs, I think, that shows if a church is ready and willing to reach people who do not yet know Jesus. The first one is that you actually know non-church people and you like them. You spend time with them in community groups and sports teams and kids' school events and weekend barbecues. The second one is that you're non-judgmental. See, unchurched people don't come to church pre-converted. They will have lifestyle issues that might take years to change, just like most of us. See, what God has done for us in Jesus, that's what saves us. Not what we have done to clean up our act, our behavior for God. See, are we really ready to love unchurched people and not just judge them? See, one of Jesus' genius approaches was to love people into life change. Can you do that? 
Will we do that together as a church family? Because then, at that point in the story, Jesus looks at the woman who's been looking at him the whole time, and he finally speaks to her. And he says, your faith has saved you. See, Jesus is in the saving business. Your faith, your willingness to put your trust in me has saved you. See, God has gifted us to be a part of that, to give your life to that, and to help others in our church do the same. As followers of Jesus, see, that's why we're here. Each and every person you lock eyes on, they face an eternal destiny with God or without God. And as followers of Jesus, that's why we're here. That's our mission. See, that's our church. Always has been here at Central and always will. Let's pray. God, make us like that. Help us to see that person, to love them into your kingdom, to walk alongside them and show them what it means to know you and follow you and trust you, know your love. Help us to be ambassadors that represent your kind of love, your kind of, of, of open arms to all people, your kind of truth, your kind of grace, your kind of new life. Help us to represent that to every person that crosses our path and help us to do it together as a people on mission that's your mission so that all can know you as we know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week online. Come join us on Sunday mornings too if you're in Hamilton. Find out more about Hamilton Central Baptist Church and discover ways to get involved at www.hcbc.nz Join us again next week at Central Speaks.